Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we've been naughty. So for Pokemon Day, we only expect Geodudes in our stockings. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShops closing. And then on Thursday, we are going to be going through some of our favorite games that we are going to be losing when those shops close down. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Can I can I ask you a question, Patrick? You gotta. This is probably something that I should have asked Months ago, years ago, maybe my whole life I should have known this. Right. So we're supposed to be washing our hands for 20 seconds, right? Okay. Is that, tw- is the 20 seconds the time that you're lathering or is that from start to finish? Like at, at 20 seconds, mm, mm, mm. are your hands rinsed and you're finished? Or is it like 20 seconds of lather time and then there's five seconds or so on each side where you're like lubricating and then rinsing off? I mean, I think I think they're all just like best guides, right? Just just so that you are spending some like actual time <laughs> washing your hands. There's I don't think there's anything magic about twenty seconds. This, I, I I completely right, agree. Right, right, right. Okay, well, but I think you are supposed to like dedicate like real time to just lathering, not running water, mm-hmm. and then you know like rinsing and like really getting into it. So where we're coming down on it is like twenty seconds of lather time. Yeah, and then. The additional sink time, that's just like bonus. That's you doing you. Well, I don't know if it's you doing you. You got to get the soap off your hands, right? Like you got to. Right. But what I'm saying is each. That's not part of. It's not part of the 20 seconds. So if you want to take, if you want to luxuriate in, Mm -hmm. you know, rinsing your hands off after the lather, that's fine. It's the, it's like, but I agree with you. 20 seconds is not like a magic like right. number. Yes, right. It, it's really just that's just long enough so that you're not like doing it super fast, right? Okay. That's just long enough so you're like in there and like actually being mindful about like, oh yeah, I'm taking time to wash my hands. Mm-hmm. Are you asking this cuz I Mark I uh, just used your uh, restroom and your soap dispenser has like a little timer on it. It does. Yeah, it does have a little timer. Also um but the, my watch also like mm-hmm. roughly was tries your, to track Was your watch telling on me? Telling on how long <laughs> I, I wash my hands? No, two oh, two okay. separate devices counting down the amount of time that I should be washing. I don't know washing. if I trust that. But I, I, I but I, I have to <laughs> well, you will never know until yeah, one right. day your hand washing gets leaked on the internet because of it's tied to Alexa or something like that. But yeah, um, this is all good information. I'm glad that we're getting this out there. Full disclosure, I think I've been like crammed it all into 20 seconds and not dedicating the 20 mm. second lather time. So I'm not saying that uh, the Omicron surge was my fault. But not. it wasn't not your fault. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing we know for certain. Speaking of something that you know you cannot blame uh, the Omicron surge on, uh, my copy of Sonic Forces Travel in the Country. Uh, would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. I send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, 100% guaranteed not to have been put into the mail with Omicron on it. Um, but I don't, can't be responsible for what happens to it once it's out of my possession, right? Um, you play it for as long as you want. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways, Mark. Um, get on the list. Borrow my copy of this game. You may end up borrowing a copy of Untitled Goose Game that's just sort of snuck in the same box. Um, but yeah, join it. It's the perfect borrowing program. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much. We love reading them. It helps people find the show. So thank you to everybody who has left us a review in the past. If you leave us a review on the Apple Podcast Store, we'll give you a shout out. It's easy for us to see it. We really appreciate it. If you leave us a review anywhere else or you share the show some other way, let us know. Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to give you a shout out. Yeah, we love it. We love seeing those. Uh, We love it when you do that. Um, Mark is right. March, which is so soon. 
is Kirby Month, uh, and we are going to be devoting an entire month of programming to Kirby, uh, Kirby games, uh, Kirby topics. It's going to be a good old time, but we need your input. Um, if you have memories or experiences with Kirby that you would like to share with us, please email us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail and let us know. We it's it's always fun when we do like a, a big month that has like one theme unifying it, uh, and it's great to get other perspectives in on it besides just our own. Absolutely. Oh, Patrick, one thing before we get into the meat of today's show. Yes. So on Thursday's episode, we were determining the best Skyward Sword NPC, non-playable character. And when we were talking about Girahim, the uh, v- villain of the piece, we kind of like, or I kind of like threw my hands up, right? Yeah. I basically said, like, I don't know I, what to do with him. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. It bugged me that, um, you know, he is like, queer coded but they don't really do anything with it it's just used as a menace i don't know but i was annoyed with my own response to it so driving home i think i have uh from our recording i was i think i hit on something that i think i'd like better because kind of where i left it was oh well what they should have done is really like leaned into it and just had him be gay right but i don't think i don't know how that salt like makes anything better in no, retrospect, c- right, because it still it still makes his his queerness the source of the menace it, towards Link. Exactly, right. And so I think really the solution is that, make Link gay. Make everybody exactly. That's <laughs> yes. exactly right. Make everybody gay. Right. Well, I mean, honestly, if there were any other like, because because there are so many relationships and so many like familial and romantic relationships in Skyward Sword, if there was just one example of a gay relationship yeah absolutely fine then it would be fine yeah fine but it would still it would would be be better better. it would be way yeah absolutely i think the solution to this was everybody in skyward's sword should have been queer um i like that i mean i think we can probably go back and what characters in skyward sword are queer let's work through it right now No, let's not actually do that. It would take too long. Uh, And I, uh, frankly, I've forgotten all of the characters (laughs) since last Thursday. Um, uh, Mark, that's that's a great solution. I'm glad we looped back around to it. Um, But in the meantime, not in the meantime, let's talk about what we've been playing. (laughs) Now, the first game on here we're not supposed to talk about. so... Weird. So Nintendo Switch Sports had their uh, online test this weekend, um, which was restricted to like five different 45-minute periods, one of which was 3 o'clock in the morning on uh, uh, Saturday, um, and a handful of uh, other times where you could play Nintendo Switch Sports online. And as part of like the sort of uh, tacit agreement of downloading it, um, Nintendo did make us accept the terms that we would not discuss it uh, on like social media or discuss details of it. Yeah, just like one of the bullet points in the yeah. fine print is by participating in this, you agree to like n- not discuss switch switch sports. Right. So, Mark, I guess the question then comes to you: How comfortable are you discussing uh, any of your experience with a n- Nintendo Switch sports? <laughs> I don't. I I think it's such a weird ask. It's a, it's a bizarre ass. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm t- totally fine talking about it. I don't really know that there's there's a, not a lot to say. A whole, whole lot to say. Yeah. Um. I well, I guess we could just like from a like broader experiential level. Um. How many times did you get into that playtest? I just did it once. I yeah, did it like same. on there were a couple of them Pacific time were like three a.m. And so the only one I did was Saturday. There was one at like eleven. 11. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one that I participated in. Yeah. And so, and so I I played a handful of games but only three like sports i'm not even sure all what all was available but the three that i was put into is i played chambara Mm -hmm. the uh that one i did twice and then bowling and it was like the uh elimination bowling and a couple of tennis matches yeah and i didn't do bowling but i played the other two um and uh, I, I had one disconnect while while i was uh playing but otherwise everything seemed like fast and responsive like it didn't take it long to match me up with someone to play um and uh i never felt like there was like lag in there necessarily like i felt relatively in control um to the extent that you're in control while using while playing like a wii sports game um yeah i mean what what did you what did you think overall so i am 
glad to have Wii Sports, or in this case, Nintendo Switch Sports. That's going to be hard for me. It's going to be hard for me to not just call it Wii Sports. It feels very much like, like this playtest feels very much like Wii Sports. Yes. It, uh, the aesthetics, like the Miis are seemingly out and these new avatar things are in, but the music is definitely heavily inspired by Wii Sports. But I had a lot of fun. Chambara was cool. Um, mm-hmm. I played once with the one-handed and then once with the dual wielding. And I, the one-handed was way easier for me to understand yeah, or totally. like control, like to get my brain to be like, oh, which way should I be blocking and using the other one? Um, and then bowling was a lot of fun because it was elimination bowling. So I think you're playing, you're starting out with like 16, 20 people. And then you do three frames. And after that, they eliminate like half of you. And then another half after three frames. And in the finale or the final round, you just have one frame and you don't, you don't see scores until the oh, very end. So it was so fun. Cool. Yeah, yeah I, I had fun. To me, it's like the perfect... I'm glad it's back. I think it's only 40 bucks, So I'm definitely planning on picking it up. I don't know how much time I'm actually going to put into it, but I am so glad to have it for when like friends come over or, you know, uh, family and just, and it's a great game to pull out and people will remember it from the Wii. And I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what it's uh, like online. I, you can obviously like set up rooms with like friends and stuff. Um, and I think that may actually be kind of a cool, like, remote game night kind of thing um with other people obviously that have a a copy of uh nintendo switch sports um like i think that may be just a fun way to like hang out and goof around um but yeah i i also thought like it was uh surprisingly uh good and like not it's it's not going to be like revelatory right like it's still just wii sports uh in a you know different package and, and on your switch um but yeah i mean seem it seems pretty good uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the the game's final release, um, and then I don't think we Mark. I think technically we didn't share any details, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't. I don't even know what that. I don't. E- yeah. What, what what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, I continue to play uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, I am getting more impatient with the story moments as I encounter them. Um, where I am now like simply not reading anything. Um, and I am just, when I get like a new, uh, story mission and there's just like a little waypoint on the map, I'm heading to it and I don't know why, uh, but I'm just heading to it and that's fine. Um, I have always found Pokemon stories to be kind of disposable, um, because the greater story is always just like you're catching Pokemon and building your team and you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I continue to do that and love that, but I don't have too much else to report. How far do you think you are into it? Literally no idea. Yeah. My, my team is all like, uh, just about level 40. Um, so I don't know, halfway. <laughs> I continue to play Dragon Quest 11 S Echoes of the Loose Page Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. So, uh, I guess story spoilers. So if you are interested in playing this game and you don't want to hear anything about it, um, definitely skip ahead a few minutes. So I am in Gondolia right now. Yeah. Uh, so met Salvatore. Yeah. Um, in Galapagos or it's like yeah. Gal. It's a play on the like Gallop. Gallop. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a Galapagos city. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of um like Agrabah in yeah. Aladdin essentially. Yep. But um really enjoying it. I really like the characters. Really like Salvatore. He rules. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> and he he just barely... I'm really interested to... I'm assuming that uh, there's a lot more to be revealed about these characters. Yes. And um, I don't know. Just really enjoying hanging out with them. Really enjoying the combat and the story and the character. Like, all of it. I'm just having a lot of fun yeah. with it. And um, uh, one thing I think is really funny. It's true in Galapagos but really, really true in Gondolia, where I am right now, where it's like, they are, the dialogue, everything is so, like, comically, it's like punch-out level Italian stereotypes. Oh, yeah. In Gondolia. Oh, no, it's like a Street Fighter game, yeah. <laughs> and that that is very, that's been very funny to me to um, see that. It's also really funny to me how, uh, 
I had forgotten in Dragon Quest games how all of like the English translation is this very like high fantasy British yes. English where mm-hmm. people are like obviously Cockney, right? And it's just very I don't know. Dragon Quest games are a very very specific flavor, and it's very fun to be back in it. Yeah, well, and like Eleven is such a good like realization of the like sort of cozy Dragon Quest formula, um, especially in uh, the S version where um, like you have your the your team members just like sort of trailing behind you. So you're just sort of always reminded of the fact that like you have these characters with you that are like slowly becoming your friends. Um, I find it very pleasing. Who, who are you rolling with right now? Because you now have five characters. Right. So one of them has to sit out. Yeah. So my party right now is Salvatore, um, Eric, and Veronica. Okay. And the hero, of course. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, so you put putting Serena on, on the back uh, back line for a little bit. Yeah. For right now, I haven't really figured out because like Salvatore, he has some because I was using Serena as a healer. Yeah. Which is what that's her primary purpose. And yeah. so I was kind of the way I tend to play um, these games is make everybody as pa- like combat powerful as possible. Yeah. And Salvatore can. He does have some healing abilities, but also is more, uh, from what I can tell, better at combat than Serena is. And so I'm just kind of like putting everybody out there. Um, But we'll see how that goes because I have a feeling. It's nice that even though Serena is like not in my active party, she still levels up because I have a feeling that I'm going to at some point need to like phase people out. Um, And, but I haven't really, I've only been rolling with these four for like, you know, an hour or something. Yeah. Well, and like one of the things that you will discover as you like get deeper into the game and it sort of like forces you into situations where um, you'll have like different combinations of characters that you'll have access to um, that each, that the characters all have, like they're, they're a lot of them are based on pairings, right? Like Veronica and Serena um, uh, like take care of each other's like sort of weaknesses pretty well. Um, Eric and the hero are sort of like a, a, a pair um, you are about to meet like another pair that work really well together. And uh, Sal is sort of good at like pairing with anyone. Um, like he's versatile enough that like um, his skill set can sort of complement anyone. Um, and it's just, it, it's neat as you go through to like discover what the various pairs strengths are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, I'm so excited that you've, that you've met him now Um he would that that was like a eureka moment for me where I was like, oh, this is incredible. Um, he's so fun and so cool and like, uh, you know, just to to our topic of like queer coded characters, um, like they actually do. Dragon Quest has like some uh pretty um, like narrow definitions of uh gender and like the roles that uh, like the combat roles that the characters can play and uh, salvatore can use either uh swords like a man in dragon in dragon quest or he can use whips like a woman in dragon quest um that it's just like he has that uh ability to like move between the two like gendered worlds of the characters in this series yeah he's a lot of fun in you know in galapolis um you he there just seems to be more to him than because right now we just know him as like almost a circus performer yes and there just seems like there's a lot more and i'm very interested i'm interested in all of their stories basically except the hero who it seems pretty standard so far but i guess we'll see how that goes speaking of which i also had my first time in tickington oh yes like the little uh um gooey guys yeah the little like tiktok guys passwords Yeah. yeah they are so i'm it's fun to get a reason that I can see them because in the early parts of the game, you see like the blue ones hanging around, but you can't interact with them. They're just right. like, they almost just like phase through you. And so it's fun now to know like, oh, there's a reason why that was happening. And that was my first time going to the like 2D 16 bit. Yeah. And it's really quick. It's just a quick taste right now. And I actually think the game does a really good job in general of like, I always know where I'm supposed to be going. Totally. And it's very clear about it. And so, and that was true also in Tickington because you get a, you know, you go in and there's the 12 or whatever tomes, the yeah. books that you're going to get passwords It's, it's 12 for. and it's set up like a clock. Yeah. Oh, that makes right, sense. Right. Yeah. There's 12 and you do, you initially go into one and it's really just to be a very quick, like, Hey, this is a th- mechanic in this game. Right. And then, and then they're like, 
come back later. <laughs> like, don't keep doing this. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry stress about this out right about now. This, yeah. yeah, like, it'll, and so I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't know. I'm having a really good time. I'm yeah. glad that I have reached this point with the game. Um, now that you have sampled the, like, 16-bit version of it, are you glad that you have stuck with the, like, I fully am 3D? really glad. Yeah. The 16-bit version is fine. Right. Um, It hues close enough to, I guess, what those games are, but I don't think it's particularly, like, good-looking yeah. or anything. And I... I was actually surprised at how relieved I was to go back to the 3D version because uh, it's a fun world. Yeah. I mean, this was exactly my experience, too, because, like, there was a – like, if you go back and listen to uh, way earlier episodes of the show, we were very excited about the ability to potentially play the whole game in that, like, 16-bit classic mode. Um, but, like – you lose so much of what that game's actual personality is, having it reduced to something that's like doesn't even really feel like it's playing the nostalgia strings quite right. Um, but so yeah, I did. I, I thought that was a very. I felt like I was going to be so compelled to play Me it that too. way. I, I thought just like, it was oh, no. a really interesting really. reaction. Also, we've both been playing a slew of Kirby games, but don't worry, we have a whole month to talk about them. So. Yeah, all of March is Kirby month, so. Uh, we're just going to not talk about any of that. Right now, Mark, let's get into the new releases. Kind of a slower week for new releases. Maybe that's why I messed up the, tr the transition. Did you mess up the transition? I mean, normally I would say that's what we've been playing this week. Let's <laughs> oh, get new releases oh I thought you were just playing. keeping things fresh. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing on Friday that is notable is... Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask has been released for the Nintendo Switch Online, Nintendo 64. So if you're a subscriber to Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack, Majora's Mask is being added to it. I know that for... Uh, I can understand why some people were like, oh, we're only getting one Nintendo 64 game a month. But I can't even keep up. No, neither can I. I've not made that much progress in Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and there are, and we just got Earthbound on the uh, uh, Super NES. So like, yeah, they they are the the pace of release here is slow. Um, but I mean that's it's it's exciting to have uh, Majora's Mask coming out. Um, will do you think you're going to be like setting aside some time to play it? I I have a really hard time thinking like when I will have an opportunity to put into Majora's Mask. I, I do feel like I'm drowning in Kirby already. Um, <laughs> just just in in our like prep work for this, like I've got a lot of Kirby games on my plate, and a, there a lot of them are like running together in my head. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about having the the time. But I am curious to check it out because the most recent my most recent playthrough of Majora's Mask was the 3DS version. Yes, and so and I know that. They made a lot of changes for the 3DS version, but it had been so long since I played the Nintendo 64 version right. that I could not tell you what those changes were, really. And so now that it's a little fresher, I think it'll be interesting to compare the two if I ever get around to playing it in a timely manner. Which, like, is also my thing with, like, Earthbound. Like, I would like to do that. I would like to play that, too. But it's also, like, when am I going to do that? <laughs> right. It's... I mean, and you know, we will talk about the sort of like Nintendo like retro library and like access to uh, older Nintendo games. But I do think it's so funny that like these are the kind of things that uh, people like us want on the uh, systems, and then just like wholly lose the drive to play once they're available. Yeah, there was a um, uh, I think it's I think it's called I can't remember what it is, but basically it's like the Onion for hard drive, a hard drive. Yeah. yeah, and they had they had an article that was like. Um, or a headline that was like Earthbound fan, fan, you know, like excited to finally play the game or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. yep. But yeah, I, uh, man, there are so many games where I'm like, it's, it, I, I just want access to it, right? It's the idea of being able right. to play it whenever right. you want more than it is for me ever actually being able to play the game. Well, because you never know when you actually are going to be like compelled and like finish the game right like you played all of paper mario like that one worked the the timing there worked yeah um and even though i only played like maybe a third of paper mario like that for me was me getting my money's money's worth out of it um so yeah i mean it, it is cool to have access to all of these things it does make me feel like an irresponsible video game owner and player but maybe there is no such thing because you just do these things for fun anyway um okay those are the new releases let's close this out 
Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So... For the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I'll talk about something not at all Nintendo related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Mark, uh, earlier, before we started rolling, I was recounting uh, my time working at Hollywood Video in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and I mentioned the movie Kate and Leopold, uh, which prompted you to come up with uh, this week's uh, 433 topic. Yeah, I think we should try to name as many Hugh Jackman movies as we can. Okay, so as we do this, if we name a huge, if we name a movie and we think it's a Hugh Jackman movie, we're gonna count it. Yes. So yeah, it, that's right. If it turns out Hugh Jackman is not in the movie, I think we, if we both agree to it when we count it, we count it. Right. Okay. All okay? right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to do. It. If one of us is unsure, right, we can um, abandon it. Right. But yeah, let's start with Kate and Leopold. Okay. Boom. Boom. Kane Leopold. Mm -hmm. So I also think some easy ones are the X Men movies, right? Sure. So, so you have X Men, X Two, uh huh, uh, X Men, X Three. Is right? that what they called it? No, it's called like Last Stand. X Men. Oh, Last, okay. Last Stand. Uh huh. Uh, and then he's in Days of No. Yeah, well, he's in Days, Days of, Future of Future's Past. Past. He he's, shows up in First Class. Let's count it. That's okay. six. Um, and then Logan. Logan. Ooh, and then the Wolverine movies, right? So That's right. So it's uh, Wolverine Origins and The Wolverine. Uh-huh. So that's nine. Okay. Uh, the Prestige. Right. That's ten. Ten. Uh, Real Great. Steel. What? Yeah, Real Steel. The Greatest Showman. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, uh, Swordfish. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay, so that's, that's 13 uh -huh. Hugh Jackman movies that we've named so far. Uh, what else does he do like does he have like other action movie because he's also like he's wolverine right yeah but he's also like a song and dance man uh-huh so like and the only oh les mis oh yeah okay Good call. there we go that's okay, 14. 14 um are there other like movie musicals that he's in i don't think so we got greatest showman uh -huh. and we got uh les mis has he has hugh jackman been the voice of any Ooh. Like animated, I'm throwing this out there. I don't. It feels like something he should have done, but I don't have. No, I think he was like too big, answer. too early, right? Uh, like, uh -huh. like Halle Berry hasn't, right? Like, and uh, I actually think Halle Berry has because I think has? She's in, I think she was in Shark Tale oh. with Will Smith. Oh, oh, I see, I see what you're saying. <laughs> okay, something like that. Like, yeah. was he in Robots or something? Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Um, starring Ewan McGregor. <laughs> uh. I feel like we there's we've got to be missing a huge and I know look I know we named like seven X Men movies but I feel like we're missing something. I feel like the like the nineties, yeah. early two thousands we we have to be missing because after but that's like the X Men time. Yeah, that's true. But wasn't he? He had to have been. But wasn't that also Kate and Leopold time? So it yeah, feels like yeah. he has to have had to have been doing. Right. So there must be some other like romantic, kind of thing. Something. Was he ever like a spy? Or do we just top out at 14 movies? I, th I think we might have topped out at 14 movies. Mm, okay, we still have like a minute here. Okay, so all right. Let's, you're looking him up? I'm going to look up Hugh Jackman's filmography. <laughs> Man, I wonder if there's going to be anything on here that will be like, oh, we should have gotten that. Or if uh, people listening right now are screaming at us about having <laughs> missed something really obvious. I don't know. I named Swordfish. How do they not? I'm actually really upset. I don't know that I'm going to be able to answer this because... They apparent Wikipedia does not have like a filmography section well, for why, Hugh Jackman, which just feels insane. Why don't we go to uh, IMDb? Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, Greatest Showman. No, I mean it's uh, we hitting a lot of the same notes that we were already hitting. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, he's in Free Guy. A voice. He's a voice in Free Guy. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, we don't get to count that one towards our, our total. Um. I I think we did a uh, the fountain the fountain. Oh There's yeah, one. should have gotten mm -hmm. the fountain. That's that's a great point. He was in movie forty three, but then again, so was everyone. He was in Happy Feet, where he played voiced the part of Memphis, an emperor mm, penguin, and flushed away, where he supplied the voice of a rat named Roddy. Uh, we should have gotten those. Uh, all right. Well, but unfortunately, we will never know why. Australia with Nicole Kidman. Oh, the Baz Luhrmann movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of Australians. 
we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. Um, Mark, that was a good 433. I liked it a lot. Uh, uh, let's get into the news. Last week, Nintendo revealed that we are approaching the end of life for the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShops. As Patrick eerily predicted, the timing of this is lining up all too well. Uh-huh. I'm Look, I there are a lot of things that I, I've maybe gotten a little bit out of the prediction business. I feel like early on, we were making a lot of predictions that were like bold, crazy things. Um, but I, I think we've both mellowed on that a little. But every now and then... I'm an oracle, right? And something that I say flippantly or just like offhandedly becomes the reality. And the closing of the uh, Wii U and Nintendo 3DS eShops is one such thing. Yeah, because you called, because you like laid out the timing. Yeah. Not that long ago, actually. You no, like it was laid just out the timing ago. of yeah. the other eShops and were like, well, here, like 3DS yep. coming up in 2023. And thus it is written. So. When this initial announcement came out, um, the part I focused on is that late March 2023, you'll no longer be able to purchase new digital content on the 3DS or the Wii U eShop. But you, if you want to buy anything before that deadline, you need to take some sort of preemptive action early. Yeah, and that's the part that totally, like, I was like, oh, this is a lot sooner than I thought it is. Yes. Because May 23rd, 2022, you will no longer be able to use credit cards to add funds to your account. Right. So if you plan on buying anything with money, which the primary way that we purchase things, um, you need to get that money on your uh, uh, eShop account by May 23rd, like two two months from now. Which basically. you can do. Like you can add up to $250 to your like wallet and just have it sit in your account. I've never done that. I've always just added like the amount yeah, I needed what you need. yeah. to buy stuff. But anyways, that's a lot sooner than I thought it was. So May 23rd of this year, is the last day to use credit cards to add funds to your account. Actually, maybe the 22nd is. Maybe the 23rd yeah, is. I would, I would say shut don't, off. don't push it. <laughs> yeah, don't wait that long. <laughs> but even then, to, if you have like eShop cards, like uh, gift cards, it's not that much longer. August 29th, 2022, you will no longer be able to use Nintendo eShop cards to add funds to your account. You'll still be able to redeem downloadable codes. Right. So if you're buying a digital version of the game from either like the publisher directly or from like Best Buy or, you know, where, wherever you could buy those, those will still be redeemable uh, until late March 2023. And no specific date there yet. But yeah, after that date, you you will not be able to purchase digital content on the 3DS eShop, on the Wii U eShop. It is noted that uh, Nintendo says, quote, even after late 2023 and for the foreseeable future, games, updates, DLC that had previously been purchased will still be available to download. Right. So I, I know that this is one of the sort of uh, like panic points of uh, people saying that like games that you bought on disc or on, on card that have, you know, day one patches or whatever, those will in fact still be available in perpetuity uh Obviously not forever, but like for the foreseeable future. Yes, but I would also take this as a like do not wait because right. the future at any time, basically, they could say, you know, they could pull the plug. Right, 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 right. So I, yeah, am not, I mean, I, it makes sense to me that it would at least be like another year after that, but I would not count on it at this point. Yeah. Let's move on to the, uh, the little, the thing from the FAQ. Um, right. So yeah. in the original announcement, in the original press release, Nintendo had a Q&A, which still exists on the website, but they had one question and answer that said this. The, the question was, mm -hmm. once it is no longer possible to purchase software in Nintendo eShop on Wii U and the Nintendo 3DS family systems, many classic games for past platforms will cease to be available for purchase anywhere. Will you make classic games available to own some other way? If not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve the classic games by continually making them available for purchase? Which is an interesting thing for uh, an interesting perspective for Nintendo to voice in their own FAQ about this announcement. Yeah, it's 
I think completely crazy. It acknowledges like the most legitimate because doesn't Nintendo have an obligation? This is a question that they're either like setting up a straw man to ask or one that they are asking themselves. Yeah. So choosing to include in this, Patrick, do you want to uh, sure, read the, the answer? The answer is across our Nintendo Switch online membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. The games are often enhanced with new features such as online play. We think this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. Within these libraries, new and longtime players can not only find games they remember or have heard about, but other fun games they might not have thought to seek out otherwise. We currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. Now, wild to me that yeah. they would include this because this feels like such a tone-deaf answer to, like you were saying, this, like, Question that they themselves were teeing up to answer. Right, right. Well, and not not just like not just a question of like, because the 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 Q part of the Q and A could have stopped at, um, uh, will will you make these classic games available in some other way? There's no need for if not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation? Because their answer is like we preserve these 130 games, but it's like okay, but we're talking about like. <laughs> thousands of games <laughs> right it's so weird this ob this uh was so tone deaf very quickly they just removed this part of the q a from the website right just uh com completely wiped it i um because here, here's the thing i i do think I, I i understand that there's like frustration around uh why isn't nintendo better at legacy content um why isn't there uh, a robust e-shop on the switch and that that is the real question. That's the crime that was committed five years ago. Um, or like virtual console. Yeah, like virtual console. Yeah, virtual um, yeah. Why? Why isn't? Why isn't that on, on the Switch uh, right now? Um, the crime is not really shutting down uh, one wholly obsolete eShop, which is the the Wii U, um, and uh, and a, a more robust eShop in the 3DS. Neither of those can be getting much. If they were selling games over there, if they were like really selling games, they wouldn't shut them down. Um, but they're not. And so that people would be upset about the stores closing. Um, you, you also weren't using them, you know what I mean? Um, and so, I mean, there, there's like a component of it that like, I not only like understand, but I'm like sympathetic to, um, that, uh, sympathetic on, like, to Nintendo. Nintendo. I understand. Yeah. Um, and but also like the the back you know the complaint against like well why aren't you preserving games in uh, other ways yeah that's valid too but that's like that's almost different that's a different concern too because like just because I can download uh, legacy games on my um, uh, Wii U uh, that leaves Mark out of the equation because Mark doesn't have a Wii U um, and most people who own a Switch didn't own a Wii U at all. Um, and that's the only place where you can get uh, Game Boy Advance games, which is insane, because why can't you get those on a 3DS, right? So, I don't know. The, the whole thing is like a weird mess, and I don't know that the eventual shuttering of these two stores is like, is the evil, like I think, or not, just the wrong, right? I totally agree with you. I, I think it is, and that's why I think it was so weird for Nintendo yeah. to include this in the first place, because I do think they're separate issues. Like, yeah, it makes sense that eventually the 3DS store and the Wii U eShop are going to be closed, but it doesn't, it's still does not make any sense to me why, even if you didn't want to continue Virtual Console, that these games are not available in some form yeah and i think you know to your point of you know people were probably not using the 3ds eShop all that much i think that's probably true but it's the same with the nintendo switch online stuff and i feel it i feel this way as well where the uh they were available and you're like taking that away and so even though yeah. i have not i probably won't play majora's mask right on the nintendo switch online immediately when it comes out the idea that it is available if i ever wanted to play it like that is appealing to me. Yes. And so it, it does stink to have them like shutting down. I mean, like you're saying like Game Boy Advance games, not available anywhere else for as far as I can tell, like no good reason. Right. And so, and there are games on there that I would like to own or that I would like to play. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that it is tough because it's not as though, these are uh, games available like to stream and they're like shutting down the streaming service. Um, if you 
buy these games now or have bought them in the past, you have access to them. You know, um, they're just closing down access to new ver- new purchases, new new purchases of them, uh, which may be a semantic argument and uh, may not be. And I think I don't know, like. Yeah, it's I, just, I, I see what you're saying. They're not That's taking anything it's like, away. Right? Yeah, if you own a 3DS, if you... I mean, sure, all of this gets complicated because, yes, at some point, you know, if your 3DS dies or whatever, you just will not be able to access these anymore because at some point, you won't even be able to re-download them. Right, but I mean, you know, I have uh, Super Nintendo cartridges where the battery doesn't work anymore and uh, the circuit boards are slowly, like, rotting inside them. I have Dreamcast games that are experiencing disc rot and won't play anymore. Um, the... You know, which is is just my like, not there is no such there is no such thing as permanent media. Like we like to think that there is, and like digital backups and like stuff like that makes us think that there is, but like it's it's a fantasy in some way. Yeah, I guess kind of where I come down on it, just in generally, is that yeah, I I think Nintendo, and I think they will in the future because yes. Nintendo always finds way to you know like monetize their past. And so I don't think these games are going to be gone forever, forever. Except for those that are. Like, you know, I mean, not, not, not to be too big of a bummer, but, like, there are Nintendo games that disappear forever. And to those, I say... So long? <laughs> no, I say, like, uh, get them some other way. Yeah. Right? If Nintendo is not, like, actively making them available to purchase, um, I think th- these games have value even if Nintendo doesn't. Right. And so... Uh, I think you should feel free to procure them however you can. Yeah, and I, I, I wholly agree with that. If there is no, uh, if there is no easy way to buy them from Nintendo, even like, uh, there's no legal way to do it. If yes, Nintendo's yes. not offering it. Like, yeah, well, that yeah, that's what I crazy. mean. Go crazy. I kind of uh, feel you know, like in uh, uh, in 14 months when you can't buy Wario Land 4 on Game Boy Advance anywhere, um, if you want to get it through an emulator or whatever, like. You know, go for it. I mean, it's because, you know, uh, just on, on, on that topic, uh, there's no way to play Virtual Boy games on anything but on a Virtual Boy unless you're going to emulate it. This has always been true, right? Um, and there are some, like, Nintendo 64 games that have never been replayable on anything else. Um, and that's just, like, the the way of it, um, that there are some things that do just get sort of, like, lost to history and would it be way cool if nintendo had some sort of like dedicated legacy software thing either a program or a piece of hardware that was designed just to do it or or what um yeah that would be awesome um but that's just not like where they are right now um but they're in such a like singular pillar of of hardware at the moment like We've known Nintendo forever to be a sort of like two pillar handheld and, and home console um, thing. And that's not, you know, they've collapsed those into one. Um, and it just makes me think like they should really be, uh, the two pillars should be hardware and legacy software, right? Um, and I don't know what that looks like, especially because they've tied so many things to uh, the, you know, Virtual Boy's 3D, uh, the 3DS's 3D, two screens on three of the platforms. Um, touch controls, tilt controls, all this kind of stuff. Like, it would just be nice if they were actively maintaining a way to uh, preserve all of that. I completely agree. Uh, kind of like related to this, Pokemon Bank will become a free service starting March 2023. Currently, it costs $4.99, dollars a year to access the service, but makes sense once it goes off once the eShop goes offline they won't charge you for they it they aren't going to charge you for it i think it's so $5 a year is so funny it's such a funny price it's so little <laughs> it does look like you'll need to download pokemon bank before like the store end of life in order to be able to access it yeah um i know we said that this was like in line with my predictions of when these shops were going to be closing does it feel too early uh to you um no, I think it. I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I. I don't have any expectation that they would maintain these stores forever. Like the 3DS died a very swift death, M- much faster than Nintendo obviously anticipated yeah. Yeah. when the Switch was released and the Wii U. But both of them make sense. You know, 2023. That's a good 
five years after the Switch was released. Yeah. But, or even more than six, that. Yeah, six, years. six years. Six years, yeah. So, I mean, we're right now we're at 11, or, uh, yeah, 11 years after the 3DS and 10 after the Wii U. So, you know, we, we are in, like, we're in post-game territory uh, with both those systems. Yeah. So, th- the timing doesn't feel crazy to me. Yeah. Um, we are going to be talking about this way more on Thursday's episode, uh, sort of just going through our favorite uh, examples of like games and things that uh, we will be losing on uh, those, those. Yeah, maybe shops. some recommendations on what I mean, you can pick up before yep. those, those stores close. And maybe some like aspirational things for us too of like, absolutely, oh, I should pick that up. I've been putting it off. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but more about that on Thursday. After a little bit of ambiguity around the announcement of Mario Strikers Battle League, and, you know, at the time there was no hard confirmation that Next Level Games, who developed the GameCube and the Wii installments in Mario Strikers, would also be handling Battle League, we now have confirmation that they are indeed developing the third entry in the series. Which is uh, good news, right? Um, there's there's always like a little bit of concern with a Mario sports title if uh, like who exactly is handling it, and you know sort of the ongoing question of like will it be faithful to the sort of original iterations that people liked in the first place? And with Mario Strikers Battle League, the answer is yes. Yeah, and interesting to think what else next level games might be working on because they had to have been working on at least this when they were acquired by Nintendo. Yeah. So yeah interesting to think what else i mean Mar- luigi's mansion 3 sold over 10 million copies so right. it makes set how far luigi's mansion has come so far now, yeah from like a sort of reluctant punchline on the gamecube to being like a system seller borderline. yeah so it'd be shocking if there's not a fourth one in, in on the horizon but but i also think they earned it right like next level games made a great luigi's mansion they made two good luigi's mansion uh, one good one great uh, Luigi's Mansion games. Uh, and so, like, you know, I am ha- was looking forward to uh, Mario Strikers anyway, um, but now I just, that confirmation makes me, like, genuinely look forward to it. Another follow-up from the Nintendo Direct two weeks ago, the courses added in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pack, the DLC, will be playable in local or online multiplayer matches as long as one player has purchased the booster course pass, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so it means that if you have not purchased the the pass and you are playing online or even you know locally through the um, like wireless play, um, as long as someone in your party has selected those tracks, they will appear as part of like the randomly selectable uh, courses. So like you can experience them without having bought them. Yeah, that's fun. That's neat. Uh, the first batch launches March eighteenth, which so soon. so soon, so soon, yeah. Uh, late Sunday night, early Monday morning, Capcom revealed a teaser trailer for Street Fighter VI, promising more details this summer. The trailer shows off an enormous Ryu squaring off a new char- against a new character, Luke, who was added as the final DLC character to Street Fighter V. Thank you for reading my notes verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the only way I was going to know yep. any of this. Obviously, very few details here. Um, we don't know what the rest of the roster looks like. No release date or window, no platforms. Right. But I think we can probably assume that it will not be coming to Switch. So Street Fighter V was, it is, remains a PlayStation That's correct. exclusive. Mm-hmm. It is also on PC, but those are the only platforms. Do you think that's going to be the case with Street Fighter Six? I don't know. I mean, like, because obviously uh, Capcom partnered with um, Sony to get uh, Street Fighter Five out in the first place, and uh, Sony was good about just like supporting them. the uh, The Capcom World Cup was like uh, held at Sony events, um, so it would surprise me if they sort of let that partnership lapse. Um, but also, like Microsoft has been throwing around money to, uh, to acquire studios. I wonder if they were throwing around some uh, additional monies to at least like unpartner uh, Capcom from uh, PlayStation in this specific regard. Yeah, what a weird trajectory for Street Fighter because Street yeah. Fighter Four, I feel like hit really big. It did, yeah. And then weird that like Street Fighter Five, the only reason it existed was because Sony was willing to fund it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It, it is weird because, like, Street Fighter 4 was one of those games that um, hit big when it started. Uh, and then um, they, you know, were, like, adding characters to the home versions of it. Um, and, like, a champ... I forget exactly what the, like, special versions of Street... There was a Super Street Fighter 4 for sure. Um, 
Uh, and at some point, it got like too unwieldy. They had added like too much stuff to it, and the sort of like meta around it was getting diluted and, and complicated. So I think the like natural appetite for a new Street Fighter game wasn't there yet. That like the fighting game community hadn't wasn't done uh, figuring out four and moved on to five because that was Sony was like, we're helping you make this game, we're helping you publish this game, we're putting it out. Um, and five famously launched like feature bear um and with a roster that people weren't excited about and the game was a little bit slower than it is now um it was sort of missing some like fundamental features that made it um like big on the tournament scene um and they've turned that around through so many different iterations of street fighter 5 um and adding i mean they did five different waves of uh dlc content so they're they added like I don't know, 30 characters to the roster which is huge right it's so many um but uh and that just wrapped up. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know like how this one will be received, like if the community is ready for the next numbered entry or if there's still like meat on the bone that is Street Fighter V. I do think that's one of the cool things about gaming, the gaming world we live in now and so many of these games being treated as almost like a live service is that a game like Street Fighter V can come out, be kind of met with middling response, but... Yeah through like continual improvement over years can really grow its audience and really like find its feet which is truly the street fighter story right like street fighter 2 there were like seven uh, arcade versions of of that game uh that added new characters that added speed options that just made the game like bigger and leaned into what it was uh kind of famously street fighter 3 in its original release um like was not a successful game and it wasn't until street fighter 3 third strike started to like pick up momentum on the fighting game uh, circuit that like that series in general was like retroactively looked on as like a real like viable version of street fighter. So um, it's, it's, it's two things, right? It's definitely that live service thing that you mentioned, but it's also like just part of street fighters identity. It does feel like it'll be interesting to see how six works out, but it does feel like the even numbered street fighters have a bit easier go of it. Mm, than that's the odd interesting. Number that's ones. interesting. <laughs> Uh, oh, and then there's also the Alpha series, and what is that? Even <laughs> odd? No one knows. But uh, also in the same event, Capcom announced Capcom Fighting Collection, which is coming to Switch along with PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Steam on June 24th. The collection includes all five games in the Darkstalkers franchise, Red Earth, um, which is previously an arcade exclusive, Cyberbots, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Hyper Street Fighter 2, and Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix. Uh, this is a rad looking collection. I'm a sucker for these like Capcom arcade collections. They did the Street Fighter collection a couple of years ago and also the uh, Capcom beat em up bundle uh, from a while back. And it's always staggering when they're like, there are 10 games <laughs> I, in here. I cannot, I cannot believe that there are more Capcom fighting games right. that, that and, have not been released yet. And none of these games are in the Street Fighter collection, which also had 12 games in it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's just some like a absolutely staggering stuff. Um, I uh, am a, a, a big fan, uh, sort of from a distance of the Darkstalkers games. Uh, so I'm very excited to have access or this is a, I'm 100% in, uh, I'm going to get this the second it's available. Um, and, uh, I'm really interested to try out Red Earth, which I've never played at all before. Um, and, uh, the Hyper Street Fighter 2 is a version of Street Fighter 2 where you can select, um, the versions of Street Fighter characters, like as they appear in each release of Street Fighter 2. So, like, you could be playing as, uh, you know, Ryu from uh, Super Street Fighter 2 versus Chun Li from Vanilla Street Fighter 2 um, and just, like, you know, match up their, uh, their attributes that way. It makes it a little bit less of a balanced fighting game, um, but a cool sort of curiosity. So, the collection includes online play. Ranked mode, casual mode, custom matches, including rollback netcode. Which is a big deal uh, because there was no rollback netcode in the online for Street Fighter V, which meant that it was sort of uh, laggy when you played uh, uh, online matches. Um, and, you know, rollback netcode is sort of like the standard. It's what like uh, GGPO um, and like uh, you know, games like um, Killer Instinct 
um, and uh, like Skullgirls, like they use this sort of remind everyone yeah. and by everyone I mean me. Okay, what uh, this rollback netcode means? So the difference between um, the, there are basically two ways, and I forget what the other one is called. Uh, but the way that Street Fighter Five currently works is that uh, you give a button input to uh, the game; it sends it to the sort of central location that's like hosting your fight. And then the character does the input. You and your opponent see what your input like actually resulted in, and then uh, play continues. Um, and if there's any lag in any of that, there's lag on the screen. Um, what rollback netcode does is there is constantly a, a delay between your input, so it sort of like waits. Um, the, you know, it's like a fraction of a second, but it means that it feels normal. Um, whether you are online or offline, you push the button and the action happens a split second later. Um, and the game does a lot of assuming what your next move is going to be based on what you uh, had inputted last. And so if it, if it turns out, like when it checks against your actual input, if you were doing something different, then it will correct it by the time both you and your opponent get the visual information. So what it does is uh, the whole thing feels like like a fraction of a second behind, but it's a consistent fraction of a second behind that everyone experiences together. Got it. So there's no stuttering, starting, and stopping. It's almost like a tape delay of a live broadcast so they can push the button in case somebody swears. Kind of, yeah. It's, I mean, it is like the gold standard. It is what makes it feel like you are actually playing a fighting game in like real meat space with someone who's, you know, standing next to you at the arcade. Interesting. And Street Fighter V does not do that. Does not do oh, that. interesting. Yeah. Okay. And actually like a lot of them uh, don't, use it which um i i think is sort of the uh what happened with this last generation of fighting games uh is that there are so many um like indie fighters that were using um this uh ggpo good game peace out was the uh um the sort of like at what, what do you call it the uh, like middleware um that people were using to host fighting games that actually worked in ways that felt real and organic which is important for games with small audiences right because you can only play people online uh and not uh in 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 the real world so uh yeah it's it's cool to see it being uh utilized here it makes me hopeful that it will also be part of street fighter 6 which may or may not be coming to switch anyway also included is a training mode, fighter awards like badges, display filters, button mapping, difficulty settings, quick save, and a museum with original design docs, art, and a music player. Look, uh, you know, on in the same week where Nintendo is really dropping the ball on their legacy content, it's cool to see Capcom come out and be like, here are these 10 games that we're preserving. You can play them all online. And here's all this cool, like, uh, museum information about, like, all of them. Uh, it's a nice-looking package. And, again, is, like, totally in line with the uh, Street Fighter collection from a couple of years ago and the Capcom beat em up bundle. And they're usually not that expensive, right? They're, like, 40 bucks. Yeah, in the past they've been 40 bucks. I don't I – didn't, I didn't see pricing on this one. But I would expect about the same. The Pokemon Company has announced that in the lead-up to this year's Pokemon Day 2022, they are making one brand-new announcement every day this week. Wow! Uh, so on yes, yesterday, February 21st, was Pokemon Masters EX. Like, five different new events are now live in it. Today is Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, February 23rd is Pokemon Cafe Mix. The 24th is Pokemon Unite. February 25th is P25 Music. February 26th is Pokemon Go. And then Pokemon Day proper is happening on February 27th. Uh, so these are like small announcements of like in-game events and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, okay. it seems like it. Like it's interesting to me that Pokemon Sword and Shield is on here, but like Arceus isn't. So I yeah. guess also, you know, like Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl aren't on here either. So. Right, 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 right. And finally, Retro Studios, the developers of the original Metroid Prime trilogy and the upcoming Metroid Prime 4 have added a new banner image to their Twitter page. It features uh, Samus Aran kind of in shadow in what kind of seems to be like this uh, rounded or like circular corridor almost. Yeah, it, it's got a little bit of like a Ridley Scott alien kind of feel to it. It's very like blue light filter. There are like uh, dusty lights kind of like coming in from above and behind. Yeah, Not really anything to draw from here like no real conclusion to come to as to like whether an announcement is coming soon or anything but cool yeah but we're in a metroid prime desert okay and we see a little shimmering on the horizon and is it a mirage 
Who knows, but we're going to run towards it. We're going to run towards it, and I'm going to drink whatever we find there. <laughs> I don't care if it kills me. <laughs> Patrick, no! <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire.